Hi, everybody. I'm Peter Travers. Welcome to Popcorn, where we tell you what's happening at the movies. And my guest today, Ethan Hawke, is all over the place in movies. Uh, you know, first of all, he gave what I think was one of the best performances ever in First Reform. You know, then you could see him in Juliet Naked, dealing with the nature of success and celebrity. And now he has directed a movie called Blaze about a great country singer called Blaze Foley. So when, Ethan, do you just say, you know what? I'm just going to lay back and do nothing. Do you have those moments? Well, what invariably happens to me when I have those moments where I say, let's lay back and do nothing, something weird will happen to me. Like, well, I'll start obsessively listening to Blaze Foley's music. <laughs> right? And then if you start obsessively listening to those outhouse recordings, there's these recordings that he made. He took like the last money he had and he made these recordings right before he was shot and killed. And you listen to these unbelievable songs and you are listening to the fact that nobody in the bar is listening. And it's, I love that part of the movie that uh, they're not there saying, where's town? I know. You know? Where's, I know. Turn up the game. game. There's something else. I know. And, and so what I mean by that is I do have periods of doing nothing and, and I look forward to them because sometimes that's no sooner do I do that than I start re- refilling the tank. I tend to be a little restless. I have been since I was young and I like to do things, I guess. I don't know how to answer the question. I don't know how to be any no, way No, it's okay. Else. You like to do things. But yeah. you're a husband, a father. Yeah. You've got four kids. I do. You know, you have all of these things. I remember the first time I talked to you, you were like, what? The first 20? time we talked? Yeah, about you know, 20. something? Yeah. And you've been through all of these things that one goes through in life to live a life. And then you have the creative life, you know? You were introduced to me by from Lois Smith, Lois Smith right? Yes. Who you know? Bless her heart. That was bless her heart. She was I, I, my first publicist, and she was really I really had her assistant, you know. But I so admired Robert Redford that mm-hmm. the idea that she had worked with Redford, and that because I thought now see that's like a talk about somebody who was restless, somebody who did a lot. I keep thinking about him more and more because. When you talk about do it, my mother used to always say, do the good you have the power to do. In a world where there's so many people who disappoint, you know, we're constantly mm-hmm. being faced with leadership that it's disappointing. This guy was given a lot, and he's given a lot back. Mm-hmm. And Well, Sundance is given back. Man, he, I mean, when you think about a movie star, like he's a movie star, right? Mm-hmm. But then Sundance has, I mean, Blaze, we took Blaze to Sundance. I think that's why I started... I'm thinking about him is I was on the plane going to Sundance and thinking, damn it, if this festival isn't like the wind beneath the industry's wings for a couple decades now. And if it weren't for that festival, you know, Ben Dickey won Best Actor there and that gets the movie sold. And that, I mean, that festival, he has generated so much energy. And so when you talk about when I was 20 and first meeting you, I was extremely restless but I had uh, a vision. Why I wanted to hang out with Lois is I wanted to know what that generation thought mm-hmm. and did and why, why they made the moves that they did. What motivated them to do it? Because you had, we were talking a little bit before we started about you not going to college or mm-hmm. dropping out of mm-hmm. college. And because you had a shot. Yeah. You could be in Dead Poets Society. And that was a shot and, I had to take. Yeah. 
And my mother, that was really tough for her because, you know, she grew up in an era where not going to college, you know, was felt like signing up. I mean, she was... She was 18 when I was born. We're from Fort Worth, Texas, you know. So she... Babies having babies. She Mm -hmm. wanted me to go to college. And so I took... I promised her when I dropped out that I would take responsibility for my own education uh, because I had to do Dead Poets Society, you know. I mean, and when I look back on it, working with Peter Weir, working with Robin Williams, it was like an electrical charge, not just on that project, but what was the subject of that movie? The subject is about... Gather ye rosebuds while ye may, right? Make Carpe diem. Carpe diem. Yeah. Sound your barbaric yawp over the rooftops of the world. This is stuff I had people, older people saying to me, uh, and it put a charge in me to try to keep creating and keep working and not to look at the arts as a unit of sale, but to look at, look at, it, at it as a life choice. Like as a kind of uh, calling? This is the theme of Blaze, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Really. It's a guy who said, because success, it wasn't like it wasn't flirting with him. It was. It was. You know, and, exactly. Sam Rockwell, Steve Zahn, and Richard Linkletter played this. Those great executives. Yes. Those great executives. <laughs> they played these record executives. Some guy that made some money in the Houston oil patch. This is a true story. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was really important to include them because the guys like Blaze, and I've seen artists my whole life like this that have... A certain allergy to the people that have the power to make their dreams come true, mm-hmm. they are almost angry at them for having that power. And they it's like a little bit a search for authenticity and a lot self-sabotage. That I you know, the camera treats those characters hopefully like the way Blaze saw them, men in hats. Yeah. Mocking them almost, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, he Blaze and Towns. He, he had this record company. They started a record company, Zephyr Records, that really wanted to help Blaze. Mm-hmm. And Blaze and Towns threw a party at the Gramercy Park Hotel that put the entire company out of business. They invited everyone in New York City. The Tequila Sunrise Bill sunk the company, <laughs> right? And they had one cheeseburger. Okay. It was like you know, two hundred and thirty-seven Tequila Sunrises and one cheeseburger. And one cheeseburger. Yeah. <laughs> it was that cheeseburger that took it over the top, right? That did it. But I love that story because it reminded me of all guys in the theater, directors I've known, who just sabotage, you know. Uh, and it, it, it's if you have the authenticity to write on the level that he writes, of course you're going to smell a little a bit of fraudulence when you have to pimp yourself out and wear mm-hmm. something nice and mm-hmm. come on TV and say, hey, I'm important. Pay attention mm-hmm. to me. There's something... That, that I, ben Dickey and I have been doing these Q&As. Ben's the plays plays. He does. And every time we're Beautifully, doing... Beautifully, by the way. Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> really incredible. But we'll do these Q&As and sometimes the mics, whenever we get really pretentious, the mics go out. And, really? and I, feel like it's blaze. I, I feel like it's Blaze disconnecting and going, would you guys get over you know yourself? Just talk Please. about the music. Mm. Yeah, just do that. Yeah, exactly. But self-sabotage is in all the arts, you know? When we see him, there's a, a line he has about thinking that he knows he has a talent, but sometimes he's using it. Sometimes he's sabotaging it mm-hmm. so that it's, he's not living up to his own idea yeah. of what he could do. What he could be. And yeah. that's a thing I've always seen in Phil Hoffman, yeah. Yeah. that he always thought, well, I'm just not up to this. Or there's basically, whether it's and alcohol st- or str- drugs. Yeah, and it, strangely success, you'd think it'd make it better, but it, sometimes it makes it worse and harder as it creates a sense of fraudulence, you know? Because fundamentally, I believe this, 
we all know that we're all created equal. Some core of us knows it's a lie when I start acting like big for my britches or something, or she does or he does. And, and, and when people start treating you like, like somehow like you might be like we're not equal, you're, the fan, it fans the flames of your own ego. And if you're smart, then you get mad at yourself for that. And you start kind of punching holes in yourself. And failure can do the same thing. You, you know what's yeah. that Dylan line? No success like failure and failure is no success at all. <laughs> so the truth, you just got to keep working. And that's, that's where when we were first started talking, that's why I just keep working. And I keep just doing put, it. Just put one foot in front of the other. Because and, you had, you had, well, you also worked with River Phoenix in the beginning, another sense of that. I was we're, talking about him when we were just talking. Yeah. And, and you see that happening to somebody you know is talented, but past the talent, there's the humanity of those it's a people. Person there. It's a person. And, yeah. and you're losing A brother, that. a son, uh, you know. Yeah. I, mean, I did this Q&A for Blaze last night with a woman, Sybil Rosen. She wrote the memoir mm-hmm. that, you know, and... And somebody said, you know, is there any, anything you regret? They were really, I think, talking about there's a pivotal moment in the movie when she walks out of a concert because he's too drunk, mm-hmm. you know? And I think the person was asking, did she regret that? And she said, listen, I regret that he's not here. And I don't know why he's not here. Mm-hmm. But what I wish is he was playing the premiere party. Do you, <laughs> you, you, you know, that's what I wish. Yeah. You know, and I wish River was here. And I wish Phil was here. And there's so many others. And there's so many other people who are alive right now who are not taking care of themselves. And, you know, and so they're important to talk to, too. Well, it is. In, the, in Blaze's story, it's a, it's a random act of violence, really. It's really, just yeah. something where it's an accident. there's a check and a son of a friend of his, and he's trying to defend him, and, and it's over. You yeah. know? They're both addicts. They, yeah. Two, what's the Fitzgerald line? Two bad drivers to have an accident, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you got you got two addicts fighting over the same check, you know, and one's protecting a friend. One's, you know, it, it, life is so complicated like that. And I, I well, that's what the movie gets about the music as well, because you have that. It's almost three sections of the movie, but the mm-hmm. one where basically Sybil and Blaze are living in their treehouse. Yeah. And you feel her as a muse and a sense of. I'm writing songs about this, and then later I'm going to write songs about losing this. Yeah. And this is, you could hear the same song at different times, and it's another song. That's the whole idea of the script. Yeah. You know, and that's what, there's this amazing line, it's, it's in the memoir, and I just love it, where she says to Blaze, I think my days of being your muse are over. And his response was, I think they're just getting started. And in a way, it's the two wells of creativity. One is this well of love. It's a transition happens right in that moment of a well of love. It's Walden Pond. It's the transcendentalist. It's mm-hmm. Whitman. It's Eden. It's where you sing because you can't. You sing with the same reason a bird sings, right? Mm-hmm. The same That's reason it. a wolf howls because yeah. they have to. Then there's this other one of mourning, of, uh, of loss. Of it's, it's, a, it's a well of narcissism, of sadness, of, of lighting yourself on fire. Right? And the, sadly, they both work. They both create great art. Mm-hmm. And you have to decide what kind of life you want to have. But that, to me, is what the movie is largely about, is that dance. The whole essence of the screenplay, to me, is about how music 
can be like little time portals. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you think about, uh, hey Jude, right? You're, you're 12 years old and you hear this song and you just love it. But you don't even know why you love it, right? You just, you just, the melody's catchy to you. You don't know anything really about what the lyrics of that song are talking about. And then you fall in love and you start singing that song and you feel like you understand what that, what that, what that song's about. And, and it's, it's about your love with this person. Then you break up and the song comes on the radio, mm-hmm. right? And you turn it off. <laughs> you know, you don't even want to hear it. Yeah. Then 10 years go by and the song comes on the radio and you turn it back up and it fills you with meaning. The song has been exactly the same. The same. It's like Tom Robbins' line, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, the past doesn't go anywhere. It's not even the past. You know, that's like, that's what, it, the, the past is moving with us. And that's the, the idea of the triptych of the movie is past, present, future, right? And how they intersect with these songs. One minute we hear from him. From that concert yeah, at the Yeah, one minute he's, he's, yeah. He's, he's moments away from being shot and killed and he's singing the song that he wrote 10 years earlier. Then that takes his brain back to when he was first writing it and who it was for. And that takes us to somebody who's talking about the song a couple years after he was dead. Mm-hmm. And it's, the song is the same, but our relationship to it, and I, I just, I'm very moved by because that. Because we own it. There's something about music where we take ownership of it for ourselves. I know. It you know? Gets, it's it basically, gets, it's here, so you did it. Blaze Foley wrote it, and he sang it, but it's mine. But now it's mine. Yeah. And there's a great, I remember... Um, I saw this interview, Jeff Tweedy, the lead singer of Wilco, was playing a concert and he talks about the feeling that happens when you're singing a song and then all of a sudden the audience can carry it. What a strange, that it actually is their song now. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it's, it really is like shedding a skin or like apples falling mm-hmm. from a tree. It's like you kind of, for a while it was yours and now it's somebody else's. Sam Shepard would have the same thing. He'd say, I don't follow my plays around like a jealous lover, you know? <laughs> and, and which is that he ultimately, I remember him saying this, is the problem with a playwright being at rehearsal is there's this pretense of authorship that really I was shepherding a candle. There was a flame that was lit and I tried to nurture it into the world. I did my best. And now you have to go chase that same candle, mm-hmm. but I can't do it for you. You know? No, that's what we do. That's what art is, right. in a sense. That's what we do. Because when you're talking about Rick Linklater, this is a guy who you worked with in the Before Trilogy and in Boyhood, who basically, in those two projects, allow you to look at your own life as it's happening. Because you were shooting that over nine years, right? This was, well, each time you do another one, there was another nine years before. Yeah, that's, and then Boyhood was shot over 12 continuous years, and... Uh, you know, (laughs) the Before Trilogy, yeah, I was 24 when we did the first one, 32 when we did the second one, 41. I mean, it was incredible. Man, it's like an album of (laughs) of a life when you look at that. You're looking at yourself changing through all. It's almost like an Ethan Hawke song when you look at it. But when you look at yourself in those movies where you're aging, are you thinking of back on the making of those movies or do you think about yourself during those times i am you're speaking now about that that project is um a part of me you know yeah it must be yeah so i don't know Mm -hmm. it's like i think about jesse and celine and i do i see in the middle film i see a person who's hurting and i was using that movie to put myself back together you know, my own, my own 
marriage was struggling. I was a young dad. Mm -hmm. I was really scared, you know? And I put a lot of that into that movie. The first movie, man, I had the world... I mean, I was so... Reality Bites had just come out, Mm -hmm. right? And here I was flying off to... uh, Vienna to make a movie with Julie Delpy, the most amazing, one of the most amazing women on the planet, mm-hmm. right? With the guy who made Dazing and Confused, my favorite movie. So, like, I was so optimistic. And before midnight, the third movie is like, wow, what's the second half of my life going to look like? My youth is over. And, and who am I? And what am I when I'm not, you know, when you're young, everything's about being promising, right? I'd meet you, I'd do interviews, and it's like, mm-hmm. well, this kid might do something. Mm-hmm. And now you're at a place in your life where you're like, well, what am I going to contribute? And I've had amazing mentors. Sidney Lament, you mentioned. Uh, Phil, um, Rick. Uh, I've, I get to watch. You know, I got to work with Denzel. John Leguizamo. I've, I've, I've touched some major vibrations. And there's switches. I mean, that's just the thing. We don't look at you and say there's an Ethan Hawke part. That this is, because a lot of actors of your generation that did that could have just ridden that horse, Mm -hmm. you know, and said, okay, here it goes. When you do training day, there's something else happening. Do you ever look back at what you've done so far and say, I'm going, this was validating or it wasn't? Do you judge yourself that way? I do a little bit. I wish I I did. The three or four things that you've done. Roles yeah. that you've played in movies that you've learned the most from. What would they be? I learned a lot on set with Paul Schrader, mm-hmm. watching him work. It was very exciting to be with a man in his 70s who had worked at his craft as long as he had, and he had something to say. Every day we came on set, he didn't waste a second. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very angry. You know, it's, it's uh, in, since Taxi Driver. It's, We've always seen that he had Taxi Driver. He was a young lion, and now he's. In but this movie is right up there with the best stuff that he's, he's ever, ever done. done. It's it's as was Sidney Lumet in, no, no. in Before the Devil Knows. They so, went out doing something great. My experiences with Rick, my experience with Sidney, with Paul, uh, and working with Denzel. You know, there's, there's some there's some moments that pushed me. Mm-hmm. in my life and challenge the way that I think you know because I started young I think I'm pretty savvy when I come to set mm-hmm. you know I've seen a lot I've seen a lot of failure I've seen a lot of success I've seen people behave badly I've seen people behave exceptionally so I think I know the drill and then sometimes somebody like Paul goes you know and and he wants more or Sydney would say I'm on to you you don't know everything mm-hmm. you, you know and um, I loved acting with Phil I love uh, Sally Hawkins. Oh, Sally Hawkins. Yeah. Sally Hawkins' imagination is so profound. I mean, it invites you in. I remember hearing, reading something about watching Olivier act on stage, that when he exited stage, you felt sure he really walked into the garden. He didn't exit stage left. He walked into the garden. He could see the garden, and you, mm-hmm. his, he saw the garden so clearly that you saw it. <laughs> you know, that you were part of the same dream. And Sally has that power, right? She creates a dream and invites you into this dream. And then your acting goes places you didn't know it could go. So I've had experiences with people that have pressed me. 
It's and tough, I look back on those. In many ways, it's what you've done in Blaze as a director. You know, you're not in it, but there's you in it in terms of what it turns you on, mm-hmm. what makes <laughs> you seem interested in something, mm-hmm. because you directed this as if it were a Blaze Foley song. Yeah. You know, it, it can be random at times because mm-hmm. that's how we see things. It's mm-hmm. not linear to do that. Mm-hmm. And the music is so key to it. You know? It's everything. And it's now, if people want to get the soundtrack or something, you now have your own record label, which is called what? <laughs> Sex Hawk Black, baby. <laughs> Sex Hawk Black. So Charlie Sexton is so great yeah, as Towns Van Zandt in the movie. Yeah. And... And, and Louis Black, who started South by Southwest Film Festival in Austin Chronicle, he's the one who covered Blaze and Towns' shows. And so all your Texas mafia. Yeah. You know, that's so, You're the Austin, Texas guy. So is Rick. So are the so people. So if we make can't. our money back on Blaze, we'll devote it to making, helping <clears throat> make records for other musicians like Blaze. This people are having trouble funding Blaze. All right. Well, you know this show ends always in song. Okay. So are you going to do a little Blaze for me? Uh... <clears throat> Last sure. time you were here, you did. Uh, what did I do? Well, you, oh, you, I did that. Born to be Maybe it was "Let's Get Lost" then. But now well, we're in Blaze World. One of my favorite lines to a country song ever, mm-hmm. and this is the simplicity of Blaze Foley, built on Mississippi John Hurt, built on Lightning Hopkins. But he says it so beautifully. It's in "If I Could Only Fly." Mm-hmm. I feel so good. I feel so bad. I wonder what I ought to do. And I heard that line, and I, anybody who's been with people who are bipolar, mm-hmm. anybody who suffer from depression, knows it's so bad. If I could only fly, if we could only fly, mm-hmm. you know, it's so beautiful. And this utter simplicity of that, I feel so good, I feel so bad. I wonder what I ought to do. You know, I just, I just when I heard that, I was like, who is this guy? Um, and I want to know more about this I guy. I want to know more I about want this to know. guy. Yeah. Well, thank you for telling us yeah. because it's a gift to see something like this. It thank really you, is. Peter. Thank Thanks, you, Ethan. Thanks for having me yeah. on the show. <laughs>